Welcome back to Scripture in Black and White. Uh, I'm Anthony Walker here with Bobby Harrington. Uh, we're thankful that you're joining us this second season of Scripture in Black and White, and we hope that you've been following us uh, throughout these few episodes because we've been dealing with marriage and uh, the family, and, and we'll be digging even some more uh, into the last couple of things we've talked about, which was transgenderism. And today uh, we will deal with uh, homosexuality uh, and even homosexual marriage or the concept yeah. thereof. Help us with that, Bobby. Yeah, so homosexual marriage is a big thing for us uh, today in our culture because um, we're, uh, of course, being asked uh, legally to accept people as married and of course they are legally married but it creates all kinds of confusion when we talk about marriage in scripture is uh, one man with one woman and it's commitment for life so uh, we want to talk about it because we're trying to emphasize what scripture says and on this matter as you're going to see as we go through it scripture is pretty black and white very black and white about what God says even though our world doesn't look at it this way. <clears throat> Anthony, and I, as we begin, I just want to acknowledge that for a lot of people, they say they can't believe the Bible because of what the Bible says about transgenderism or homosexuality. In fact, today, probably the biggest area of difficulty is going to be for a lot of young adults is if you say Jesus is Lord and I'm going to follow him and I'm going to follow what he teaches, I'm, I'm literally going to try to obey all of his teachings, then right away, uh, according to our culture, you're a hater, you're misogynistic, and uh, you, uh, you know, you're just a bad person. So, suffer from some type of phobia, homophobia, transphobia, yeah. all of those. So it's a real, like, let's be transparent about that. Like, right now, there's a major Christian leader uh, who's changed his position. He influences churches all over the country, Andy Stanley, and uh, he's promoting uh, that Christians have to take a different approach. Here's his argument. He says, if we don't have a different approach to homosexuality, then the culture is going to reject us and not accept us, and the church is going to lose. Membership of churches is going to decline. Kids are going to turn away from Jesus. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's going to be a bad thing. And so Andy's trying to create this place for a more nuanced response uh, that uh, somehow, you know, we accept homosexual marriage, the church does. So we're going to, we want to talk about that. Um, and I just want to acknowledge that it's the air we breathe now, the position that homosexual marriage, homosexual relationships are okay. So uh, are they okay? And how should we think about it? I have 10 questions for you. I want to I read my questions for you, Anthony. And then uh, I'm reading the questions because I hope we can deal with each of these questions. Are you ready? The first one, uh, isn't our stand on homosexuality similar to the way people used to look at slavery, racism, and women's roles in the church? Isn't it just we're holding on to something that we need to change to be more in step with the culture. Number two, why would homosexual marriage be wrong? Isn't marriage better that, that because people are committed to each other? So shouldn't the church be behind homosexual marriage? Number three, how can we know that traditional Christians got this issue right? Lots of Christian people are now saying there's nothing wrong with a committed homosexual relationship and marriage. So a lot, lot, in fact, the, the dominant thing in many circles is Christians are saying it's okay. You know, Amy Grant, the singer, uh, I, I read a thing where uh, she was saying she had to come around and uh, she's letting, she, in fact, she already did this, let her niece get married in a homosexual marriage on Amy Grant's property because she became more enlightened and accepted it. Number four, what does the Bible really say about homosexuality? Number five, uh, is homosexuality genetic? I mean, if it's genetic, Anthony, why would you tell people that they shouldn't, you know, just live that out? Mm. Uh, number six, if the Bible says homosexuality is wrong, why is it wrong? Like, 
Why, why would God say that that's wrong? Number seven, if homosexual behavior is wrong, how should we help people who wrestle with same-sex attraction, uh, you know, in our churches? Uh, number eight, uh, what should a Christian do if they're struggling with same-sex attraction and be like, don't don't be pie in the sky and just tell tell them stop that. Like, what should they do? How are they really gonna live out that that life? Especially this way. Let's let's be transparent. For a lot of people today, sexual fulfillment is kind of like the main thing in life. And are you saying that a homosexual person can never be sexually fulfilled? Mm. Mm. Number nine, what should we do when uh, gay married couples, Anthony, we are both lead ministers in our churches, what should we do when gay married couples start to regularly come to church and uh, become a part of our church? And then lastly, how will we teach people to follow this teaching today? Like, what are we going to do knowing you're going to be labeled as a hater and intolerant and all of that. In fact, I was thinking just when I was getting ready for this recording, uh, this recording, of course, is going to be on Podbeam and all the other places, but YouTube as well. And uh, YouTube may not let it stay up there, which is why it'll probably be on Rumble and YouTube. <laughs> so anyway, before we jump into it, how, how would you answer those? Like generally, what's your response to those questions? and then we'll dive into the details. Okay. Uh, the position that I hold or that we hold uh, on homosexuality and homosexual marriage, um, it's not just a bigoted belief. Like we're not just holding on to something just to hold on something. We're not, you know, understanding that culture shifts. Um, we're not trying to keep people in general from being happy, um, it's, it's, it goes back to our stance on God's word. God's word is truth. God's word and his way is right. Um, and we've got to get back to that. So all of them fall under that theme. Um, but I do like these questions for this reason. There are those who, um, people in your family, your friend groups, your coworkers, et cetera, they, they ask these questions from these positions. And if you're not prepared biblically uh, and understand truly God's position on this, you will fall into the way that these questions are set up. Like, you know, you don't want me to be happy? And you're thinking, man, I don't want to say something to... It's, it sets it up this way. We don't want you to be happy. We are haters, and we just want to condemn you. And, that, that's, and, and so now you're defending against that rather than trying to live out what God's best is for us. So I'm ready to dig in if you are. But. <laughs> I am. So um, I, I want to give uh, what I think are four really important principles before we dive into the okay. scriptures. Okay. So we're going to dive into the scriptures, try to answer these questions. So the first principle for us and that we commend to you is that Jesus is our King and our Lord. Here's what both Anthony and I believe. We believe that God created the world, that we lost our way. Uh, our ancestors, Adam and Eve, uh, fell into sin uh, we've all inherited from them a sin nature, and we struggle with sin. We gravitate to sin in thought, word, and deed. And at the end of our lives, we're, we're going to be accountable to God. He never wanted us to have to deal with this, but it is the way it is in human history. <clears throat> and at the end of time, uh, we're accountable for our lives. And the good news is, called the gospel, the best news ever, is that God sent Jesus into this world to rescue us. And what that means is he came into the world. He came as a human being. He came to show us that he understands us. He loves us and he cares. He was our ideal example and model. Uh, then he died on the cross as a sacrifice of atonement for our sin, where he literally takes our sin away. Uh, he was buried he rose from the dead and he promises us forgiveness 
and life in his kingdom if we will make him Lord and King. Now, when we make him Lord and King, he asks us to place our faith in him. Like we place our faith and we say, Jesus, I trust you. I will follow you. You will be the Lord and master, the king of my life. So where you say to go, I'm going to go. What you say to do, I'm going to do. And he does that through his word, scripture. So we have good reasons we can give for all that. In season one, we gave a lot of the historical reasons. If you're listening to this and have not listened to season one, I want to encourage you to go back and say, here's why we believe in scripture. Now, so the fundamental thing as we begin is for us, uh, through scripture, we honor the lordship and the kingship of Jesus. He said to us to be disciples and to obey all of his teachings. So our fundamental decision is that we're following the teachings of Jesus. Fundamentally, Uh, yes, sir. In fact, one of the verses Anthony and I like to point to is... uh, Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verses 16 and 17, where it says, all scripture is God-breathed, so God created it, and uh, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be equipped for every good work. Equipped for every good work. So this is an area in our current culture where scripture is going to rebuke us, and tell us to go a different way. Exactly, exactly. And, and that goes against the feelings, the urges, and the desires that our flesh sometimes has. That's right. Yeah. The second principle uh, is that we want to live lives of love, and we want in our churches and through Renew Network and all the influence we have, we want to we wanna live lives of love. We want the people in our churches to live lives of love. And we want all the people we influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible says God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. And then scripture says uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love or live a life of love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So we want love to predominate. And I'm saying this because people, we talked about this in a previous podcast, but people are defining love their own way. Like they say, love is love. And what does that mean? Like love is love means you accept everybody and everything and uh, you don't object to it because if you object to it and say it's sin, then you're a hater. Well, that's not how Jesus taught us about love. Exactly. So we have a definition. Love is grace and truth in action with grace leading the way. So we're going to be merciful, kind, understanding. But we actually, we care enough about people that we want them to know the truth. Exactly. And so if we're not truthful, according to God and Scripture, we're not loving people. So we want to live a life of love. Uh, the last two I'll just mention really quickly. Humility. Uh, we, want to, we want to be humble. I will tell you that... Um, one of my biggest learnings, I talked to a guy named Wesley Hill, who's a same-sex attracted man, Christian theologian, uh, wrote a really good book called Washed and Waiting, where it talked about he was washed by the blood of Jesus. He's waiting for Jesus to come back. And in the interim, you know, he wrestles with same-sex attraction. He tried to be attracted to women. He can't. He's only attracted to men, but he knows that God doesn't want him to live that way. So when I talked to him to get advice, for a situation I was dealing with in my family. Uh, and I was asking, how do I approach this conversation? He said, one of the first things you might want to do is apologize for how the church has treated homosexuals throughout history. And you know what? When you look at it, there's no compassion. Mm-hmm. There, there, I'm not saying that always was like that, but there's a track record of severe mistreatment of people who had homosexual desires. Mm-hmm. So we want to be humble about that and say, hey, we, we don't have it all together. I don't, you don't, and I don't desire to condemn anybody. I just want to, myself and everybody I can influence to follow the way of Jesus. Yeah. So you have the, your struggles, I have mine. Let's walk together and ask God to help us. 
Anything you want to add on that? Well, then that's that's the thing too. Sometimes there are those who don't want to come in that spirit because we were brought up, you know, the church and the minister and we're supposed to bring fire and brimstone when actually I'm trying to save others from the fire and brimstone. So the idea is I want to tell you the truth in Ephesians 4, speaking the truth in love um, and with this grace. So certainly we come with humility. As I mentioned before, uh, we all have struggles with something. Uh, your struggle may not be uh, same-sex attraction or it may not be gender dysphoria or it may be something else, but that is the point to where we all have to come to the same source of our health, our uh, spiritual health, and that's Jesus Christ. Um, he's going to help me with my struggle. He's going to help Bobby with his, and he will help you with yours. And when we come to the foot of the cross, we're going to run right into uh, the embodiment of truth. That's good. So Jesus is Lord. We want to love the way he loves. We want to be humble. But, and this is really important, we want to be holy. Scripture teaches that God is holy. He's separate. He's pure. He's apart from us. And then Scripture says this, that God says this to us through Scripture, be holy as I am holy. Yes. And uh, First Peter says, without holiness no one will see the Lord. Lead us in prayer. And then if you'd take us to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19, and let's start there. All right, let's pray. Father God, as we continue in this discussion, we pray for those who uh, may be listening and watching, uh, who personally may be struggling with same-sex attraction or uh, who may be uh, just confronted by what this discussion will mean for their lives. Father, we pray for them. We pray for a heart um, that's one, uh, willing to listen, uh, that's, that's submissive to your word. Uh, Father, we pray for uh, their life. Uh, we recognize that some of our struggles are more difficult than others. Uh, so we pray for them. Father, we pray for those who are, you know, relatives of those who have these struggles or uh, friends or co-workers or just father that, that have a desire to help uh, help us to have the right spirit the right approach uh, the right heart towards those whom we love that are struggling with same-sex attraction uh, father continue to be in this discussion uh, that it is uh, clear concise uh, and filled with grace we thank you in Jesus name Amen. Amen. Uh, one story that stands out in scripture um, that deals with, I mean, just homosexuality head on uh, is the narrative of Sodom and Gomorrah found in Genesis chapter 19. I'll read this, Bobby, and then we can uh, discuss uh, as well. Beginning at verse number four, but before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. Now, Sodom and Gomorrah was not just, and I know we, we tend to highlight this as being uh, kind of a hotbed for homosexuality. It was a hotbed of sexual immorality. There was all kinds of sexual immorality there, but what stands out to most who are familiar with the story is this instance with Lot uh, and the, these wicked men that are beating on the door and they're, they're, they're so sex driven. It is, hey, we want the men, send them out here. And, and Lot in his panic and, and, and he's saying, listen, I got some daughters, man, but, but, but Let's not, not with the men, uh, and they, they wouldn't have that. So 
this was the kind of environment and place uh, the, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah uh, were. You know, it's interesting when you, so we see the part where you just read, and then it goes on and it talks about these men that these angels are in appearance as men, mm -hmm. so they want to have sex with them. They say, get out of our way. Uh, and then they say, this fellow, talking about Lot, who was trying to stop them, this fellow came here as a foreigner, and now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. And they kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break the door down. Here's what's interesting. Uh, ancient and modern. Mm -hmm. When you tell people that certain things are sinful behavior, uh, right away they're saying, oh, you're playing the judge. You're the judge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, because you're judging somebody else, you're a bad person. Yeah. And uh, now, if, if, I'm, if I'm judging because I, Bobby Harrington, come up with something and I arbitrarily try to impose that on you and I say you're a bad person if you don't do it my way, I, you know, there is, that's being judgmental. OK, oh, yeah. but when somebody's saying God says this is wrong, don't do it. I'm not being judgmental. I'm actually trying to be truthful about the lordship and kingship of God yes. and what God says. So the person who's being judgmental, if you're saying anybody, is God who created us. And he's the righteous judge. But I just want to draw the attention to uh, the accusation that when you say something is not right, you're playing the judge. And people so easily pull that judgment card today. And uh, uh, the reality is that's not what it is. Well, the, the story goes on. And uh, what happens is that Lot, uh, through the help of the angels, gets out of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And then it gets destroyed. Right. Right. Um, and this stands. And Anthony, I think you have some passages from the New Testament there mm -hmm. where the New Testament clearly says uh, that this was homosexual sin and it was really bad in the eyes of God. Oh, certainly, certainly. So uh, I'll say this as we're, we're passing by too. God, you know, when, when we respond to sin, any of us, when we respond to sin, um, we have to align ourselves with God's perspective on this and not our own subjective perspective. Uh, there are sins that I may look at and say, well, hey, you know, I kind of I can relate to that. And I and so maybe I don't respond to that as I would this one that I detest. But what, what I have to do if, if I'm living my life for Christ, I have to take God's perspective. So when Bobby says it's not me playing the judge, I'm literally giving you the mandate from the righteous judge, and that is God himself. So if he says, hey, I detest this behavior, then I, I've got to respond uh, like him. Uh, Bobby, Bobby, let's go to uh, Romans. Here's, a, here's another uh, scripture that we tend to use in this discussion, and it really, again, hits at not just the homosexual uh, sin, but, but how God feels towards all of this uh, sexual immorality and a mindset towards that. Romans chapter one, beginning at verse 24. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to, impur to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they engaged the truth about God, exchange, excuse me, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Let me say this before I go further. When we reject the truth and we accept the lie, we invite, we promote, we engage in all kinds of lustful, idolatrous uh, behavior. That's just, we just go down that path when we reject God's truth. And then we end up, as he says here, worshiping, serving the creation and not the creator. Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions 
for their women exchange their natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. I want us to come back to that one, Bobby. And the men likewise gave up their natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another and men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves due to the penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they did not only do them, but gave approval to those who practiced them. Oh my goodness. Go back, if you will, Bobby, and respond to um, verse 26 and 27 and, and, and how that relates to the discussion on homosexuality where Paul says, women exchange their natural relations for those contrary to nature and the men likewise gave up their natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. So it seems, no, I don't want to use that language. What Paul is saying mm -hmm. is that there's a natural created order. Okay. So in the, our podcast this season, mm -hmm. we talked about the created order. God made the male and female, mm -hmm. that the, the man left his father and mother and became united with his wife and the two became one flesh and that was the sexual relationship and it was for the context of having children that's that's according to nature natural order natural order that god created okay. an unnatural order would be two women having sex with each other or two men it's unnatural like plumbing wise it doesn't work sure right Plumbing wise, it doesn't work. It's, it's contrary to what God intended in creation. And as this passage makes clear, it's also a, a mindset, a sinful mindset that's rejecting what God teaches and you're becoming inflamed in stuff that he's saying here is uh, uh, shameless and wrong in God's eyes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so rejecting God's natural order to do what they wanted to do. And then this, this last verse, uh, and we can continue to go in, in, in other scriptures, but this last verse really hits it. Verse 32, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. It is, uh, it reminds me, Bobby, of um, the woman at the well. When she's talking to Jesus, there's a line that she uses and she says, I know the Messiah's coming. Mm -hmm. um, but it did not really influence her behavior. And this is the same kind of culture that Paul is referencing here. And a culture, if we're honest, that we have now, which is, I know the right thing we're supposed to do. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. What, what's scary about this passage in Romans chapter one <clears throat> is that uh, Paul is saying that they have this internal sense. Mm -hmm. Like, like if you go through Romans chapter one, he's going to say, everybody knows there is a God because of the created order. You can't experience this created world and honestly say anything other than God made it. Yeah. Then secondly, he goes on and says, sexually, you're rebelling against God's nature uh, and you're, you're getting darkened in your thinking. Like he's talking about a culture getting darkened in their thinking and, and you're trying to justify <clears throat> what intuitively you already wrestle with. Right. So I've had uh, several close friends who struggle with 
with same-sex attraction. And uh, those who are actually living out uh, a homosexual lifestyle have always, even in the midst of it, when they're really honest, and I've had good relationships because I genuinely, I mean, I feel like I struggle with sin in my own life so much, I, I understand other people's sins. Yeah. And so my homosexual friends would share with me, and they, they'd just say, I just, you know, my anxiety and my internal conflict is such, I know it's wrong, but I just want to do it. And what happens is they end up justifying it. And it, here's, here's the scary part. And you pointing out Romans chapter 1, verse 32. Here's the scary part. They know it's wrong, like when they're really super honest, but they're persuading themselves it's not wrong. And they're persuading everybody else that it's not wrong. And they're bound and determined that everybody else in our culture is going to say that it's not wrong. And that's the danger. That's when you become like Sodom and Gomorrah. Because in Sodom and Gomorrah, they were all saying, it's not wrong, and you're a judger if you think it is wrong, and you're a bad person for being a judger, so we want to get rid of you. And the truth is, there's an awareness of what... I mean, we're, we're embracing things and trying to persuade ourselves of things that we deeply know they're not right. So we go back several, several years ago where homosexual relations would have been shameful, not talked about, hidden in the background, to then progressing to the place where, you know, we can be a little bit more public about it, not shameful, to now just parade. We celebrate, and we don't just celebrate. You've got to accept it. Uh, you're a Christian, you're, you're a minister. Uh, if you don't accept it, you're a hater, and we, we're going to punish you. Yeah. So it's like uh, uh, there was a study done by Gallup uh, on uh, the views of Americans. And uh, you take, say, Joe Biden's generation, uh, less than 1% identify as LGBTQ. Okay. Uh, then if you take the next generation, it's like 2.6. Then if you take the next generation, it's like, I think it gets up to 7.6. So LGBTQ+, plus, like they, they identify as uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. Gen Z, which is uh, 18 to 27-year-olds, 22% of them are now identifying. Almost one out of four. Uh, almost one out of four are identifying as lesbian, gay, transgender, or bisexual. So what's happening is that our culture uh, has been taken over by people uh, whose philosophy and beliefs and practices rejects God and is trying to force everybody to do what they did in Sodom and Gomorrah, and that's to accept sin. And uh, I, I think that the whole, uh, the last session we did, the last podcast, where we talked about transgenderism, it's the, it's the extension of it. It's where feelings uh, are more important than biology or God's teachings or anything. And uh, it's, it's really a sign of degradation and ungodliness and debauchery getting a strong foothold in a culture. And uh, we just need to realize that throughout Scripture, God teaches when that happens, when ungodliness takes over a whole culture. I mean, what God did to Sodom and Gomorrah, it's... Uh, when God had the Israelites come into the promised land and wipe out the Canaanites, the Amorites, uh, the Hittites, and everybody li living there, he, he told Abraham in Genesis 15 that uh, their sin was such that when it got to that point, he was going to wipe them out. He had no choice. He had no choice. And then in Leviticus 18, when God taught uh, the Israelites through Moses about what sexual sin is, he told them, he said, as they're going into the promised land, this is how the people lived before you came in here, and I vomited them out of the land, and if you go that way they did, you too will be vomited out of the land. So I just think we need to realize that there's a precedent in Scripture that we should really be concerned about, like, like have a holy fear of God of what's happening in our culture because of this rampant embracing of uh, 
these sinful lifestyles. And it's, Anthony, it's not because I'm saying it. Sure. It's not because you're saying it. Right. Like on my own as a, like you put pressure on me and my own self apart from God. I can, I can go along with other people. It's that God's really clear about this. Yeah. He's, this is not ambiguous. Right. I mean, what I always tell people, you just went through Romans chapter one. Mm -hmm. What I will tell people when they ask me, uh, I'll say, well, you just look for yourself at Romans chapter one, verses 26 and 27. And if you don't think, like decide for yourself, because it's just so black and white. I mean, we're gonna look at more passages, mm -hmm. but a lot of people can't remember all the other passages. Just remember Romans chapter one, verses 26 and 27, because they just make it super clear that this is, this is sinful, that, that it's, it's shameless and sinful in God's eyes. So there's a scripture that um, I've used a lot um, that, that talks about homosexuality. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. But I'm understanding that here lately there's a different take on that passage. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to read the passage and, and, and maybe you can help us with that, Bobby. First uh, Corinthians chapter six, verses nine through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed and you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Now, to me, in all the years I have preached and taught this passage, it seemed very black and white to me, God's perspective on this. Uh, and, but, but apparently, and you can help me, Bobby, this passage is now being used that some suggest actually does not condemn yeah. homosexuality. Yeah. What, what people have been saying is that, well, if you have the trans, the, you know, that, Here's the angle that's usually taken is there was this oppression throughout the centuries and they made this translation uh, of these verses something that they were really not in the Greek text mm. uh, and that there's actually a mistranslation. Now, the truth of the matter is that is not true. Sure, sure. Uh, so they, they're, they're suggesting, I think we were talking about it, they're suggesting that the portion that says, nor men who practice homosexuality, there's some, the, the allegation is there's some mistranslation there. And that portion specifically, men who practice homosexuality, but as we look at the consistency of the scriptures, both Old and New Testament, God is, is, is against sexual immorality all together and under right. under the umbrella of sexual immorality it, it covers any sex outside of a married man and woman yeah we'll, we'll i, I want to uh take us to the old testament okay. passage on that yeah. and just and can we just stay here for a second sure. so i have christian friends who are christian leaders some of them very influential uh who say, well, you know, I prefer that we don't, that people don't do it, but, you know, they're going to have to decide. Like one of the things in evangelical Christianity is there's uh, uh, side A and side B. Side A says it's sinful behavior. Side B says it isn't. But then they'll say side A and side B just need to coexist together. Some Christians say it's sinful. Some Christians say it's not. Hmm. Okay. Now, now, first of all, that's not true. The, the scripture is really clear on um, on it, like, like we've already seen Sodom and Gomorrah. We've seen in Romans chapter one. We're going to go to Leviticus 18. You've got this first Corinthians, uh, chapter six. We've got first Timothy chapter one, verses eight through 11. Um, you, you know, you've got these passages, but just look, if you will, for a second at what it's saying here in first Corinthians chapter six, verse nine. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
do not be deceived. Neither will the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor uh, adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, uh, nor thieves, nor the greedy, drunkards, revelers, swindlers, uh, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. So like you can have like what it astounds me because like if you're saying Christians can practice homosexual sex and go to heaven, you're explicitly denying the black and white words here. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is scripture in black and white. That's right. That they will not inherit the kingdom of God. So if we really love people, we have to tell them because love does not deceive and lie. And love would, if you really love somebody, you don't want them to be excluded from the kingdom of God in eternity and to face God's eternal judgment. It's black and white. So, so with that, I have to say this is not right, not according to Anthony, not according to Bobby, but according to God's word. Yeah. And, 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 and as we look at the audience to whom Paul is speaking, he's making the suggestion in verse number 11. He says, and such were some of you. Yeah. Which points out all of us have had some of this stuff. Yeah. He says, some of you struggled in these well, areas. Yeah, yeah, I mean, me too. All of us have the, but thanks be to God, verse, the, the latter part of the verse, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and by the spirit of our God. So repentance uh, is at order here. Yeah. We say, hey, I'm not going to live this way. God, with your help, I'm going to turn to Jesus and, and follow Jesus. And then I want to get into this, in, if we can, in just a few minutes, oh, yeah. how we have to help each other to live this out. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can we uh, do something that uh, I think would be really helpful for our audience? Sometimes people will say that Jesus didn't say anything about homosexuality. Okay. And I, I, I just want to deal with that. So I, I, I have in my mind, you know, this, this man is holding this sign. What did Jesus say about homosexuality? He flips it over and it says nothing. Uh, and the idea here is it's like a canon within the canon. The canon is the rule of faith, the, the standard of scripture, that uh, Jesus' exact words uh, are somehow uh, different than the rest of the Bible which is really bad. Nobody's ever believed that in history. But Jesus did address it. Here's how. Jesus said sexual immorality is wrong. Yes. He actually says in Matthew 15 that sexual immorality, the desire to, to comes from within, and if we act on it, then that sexual immorality, uh, you know, is, is not is sinful in our lives. And, and, and wrong. Now, the word sexual immorality is the Greek word porneia, and it was used in uh, the first century as a summary of what the law of Moses taught about sexual immorality. And when you go back to the law of Moses, remember the law of Moses, uh, the Old Testament, there are 613 commandments mm -hmm. summarized to the Ten Commandments. Well, amongst those commandments, there are ceremonial and moral commandments. Uh, the ceremonial have to do with, um, you know, religious, and, or I'm sorry, civil life in Israel. Like literally the law of Moses talks about the kind of um, fence you have to have around the top of your house because people would sleep on the top of their houses. And, and it talks about uh, ceremonial practices, but it also deals with the moral practices. So the best place on sexuality to get a summary of the moral practices that, again, it's, it's sexually what is sinful or sexual immorality is in the book of Leviticus. Leviticus 18. Mm. Now, now this is the, the book that begins by saying, we're to be holy because God is holy. And the Israelites are to be a special chosen people when they go into the land. And then God says, don't commit the sins that they did in Egypt and don't commit the sins that they're committing in, in Cana because I'm, I'm going to vomit you out. So let me read a, just a couple of passages 
from Leviticus 18. And again, read Leviticus 18. If you want to know what does God say is sexual immorality? Well, it's sex before marriage of a boy and a girl. It's sex outside of marriage where you're committing adultery. It's incest. Uh, he, he just he, he lays it all out. Leviticus 18.22 says, Do, You shall not lie with a man as with a woman. It is an abomination. He goes on, by the way, in Leviticus 20.13, he says, If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. And as they did back with serious sins, uh, back then they said, surely be put to death, their blood is upon them. So, I mean, it's just really clear back then that that was sexual immorality. And then uh, D.A. Carson and other New Testament scholars have demonstrated that Leviticus 18 is kind of the base of what sexual immorality is. So when Jesus says, and Paul says, repeatedly in the New Testament, this is sexual immorality, it included within it homosexuality. So Jesus, in his words about sexual immorality, does address homosexuality, but even more importantly, when the Apostle Paul is writing Romans chapter 1, Jesus is speaking through Paul. It's the Spirit of Jesus causing Paul to write Romans chapter 1 to say what he does. So I'm going to give you a second to react to that. I just wanted to say that because I've heard it so much and it's, it's just not truthful. Right. I mean, it, it's, it's not. And it, it makes it seem like we're trying to create some kind of new way to make people uh, upset, but it's not. It's, it's literally just going by God's word. Bobby, I've got a passage I want to uh, share as well. This one uh, kind of helps me with this. Paul, or excuse me, Peter tells us in Second Peter chapter three uh, and verse number three. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. These scoffers are those who mock uh, Christians and those who mock our faith. But he says this, following their own evil desires. So as Christians, we are, as we've said repeatedly, we're bound by God's word. We're living according to God's word and not our feelings and not our desires and our lust. That's not what we're doing. So as Christians and what Peter is helping us to prepare spiritually for is that when you share a word that is going against their lust, you're going to make them upset like that. That's going to come out. So and, and they're upset because you're telling me that I can engage in what I'm wanting to engage in. I don't want to do. I can't do what I feel I want to do. I can't do what we're celebrating every whatever month, Pride Month or whatnot. Like we can't do this. And so they're going to do whatever they can to attack your faith, to attack your belief system, to attack the word of God. And that's why we as Christians have to hold more uh, earnestly, as the Hebrew writer would say, give more earnest heed to the things that we've heard because those times are coming. Those times are here. Yeah, that's good. You know, the truth of the matter is uh, right now uh, to hold to the views that we we are talking about, uh, people are not going to get jobs just that just in certain corporations where they promote uh, Pride Month and uh, um, not just Pride Month, but, uh, you know, affirmation and inclusion uh, of these lifestyles. You're going to lose your jobs. You're going to, of course, you'll lose friends. You're going to be called a hater. Um, you're going to lose jobs. Um, and what I'm finding, Anthony, is more and more Christians are caving to that cultural pressure and they're literally changing their views. There's a friend of mine uh, that I hadn't seen for a while, and he's with a corporation, a pretty significant corporation, and he's he's gone up pretty high in the corporation. And uh, he just described himself to me. We were just, you know, hanging out together, and he said, "Yeah, he was talking. He was tying it in politically. He said, uh, I'm fiscally conservative, but..."
but socially progressive. And so I'm like, uh, okay. And he just said, yeah, I just, I, I, I you know, I'm, I, I affirm other people's lifestyle choices, uh, which of course we affirm that people have the right to make those choices. God gives them that freedom, but that doesn't mean that it's right. But he's in an environment where he actually, uh, in his corporation promotes it, mm. that we should accept and affirm, uh, in fact, the, the, it really has moved to affirming. You have to be affirming now uh, to to be considered uh, acceptable in in so many uh, social categories. Well, listen, our time is coming to an end, Anthony. Uh, uh, do you want to tackle really quick First uh, Timothy chapter one, sure. uh, eight through eleven? Again, it's just I, w- I want to get away from this thing that there's just one or two passages in the Bible on this. Oh, right. There's a bunch of passages. Yeah, yeah. First Timothy 1 verses 8 through 11. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary, contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God, which I have been entrusted. God's word and God's law and God's way is for those who are trying, you, you're living contrary to it and the call is obviously repentance yeah as he says there god's law is good it's good for us it's good you know but it's made for lawbreakers like you and me right but we break it but we still oh no thank you for your forgiveness god we're going to follow your law and 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 pursue your ways amen and and at the end of the day god is not a he's not trying to deprive us of joy he's trying to actually ensure our joy Mm -hmm and give us the best possible life that he can. Bobby Harrington from Scripture in Black and White here. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us. Hey, can you help us? you could like comment and subscribe to our channel that would be great just subscribe to renew.org and then you'll get notices when the next episode from our podcast or other Renew podcasts come out and it would greatly help us and we hope and believe it will greatly encourage you thank you for listening to scripture in black and white please comment like and subscribe Coming up next, Homosexuality and Scripture Part 2.